Boy, that's awesome. Guys, look, let me encourage you to support your wife in this. I know, I know it'll be a really tough weekend for you to not have your wife at home, for you to have all that time by yourself. That top golf will probably be open by then. That the water, the waterways will be wide open, ready to catch fish. But do it for the kingdom of God and for your wife. And guys, it's cheaper than diamonds. So it's a great thing. I highly support the ministry. So it is great to see all of you. We've got Thanksgiving coming around the corner. That's going to be amazing. Hope you guys have a little bit of a holiday. I'm a, I'm a, a chestnut guy. I, I fly chestnuts in, you know, just for this weekend. I love chestnuts. I think I spend about $90 a year just on chestnuts. And, and we get them all ready and all that. It's got to be my stuffing. I don't care about the turkey, just... Got to have my chestnuts. I hope you guys have some sort of tradition that you do. It's the purest holiday of the year. I mean, it's not about presents. You don't have to give anything to anybody, you know? It's, Christmas has gotten kind of heavy, but at Thanksgiving, it's just like, chill. Let's get together. Let's pretend we didn't grow up together. And let's pretend we love each other just for one day. And it's a great holiday. So I encourage you. And also, we're going to close off today's uh, the series that we've been going through on certainty to try to give you something to walk into Thanksgiving thankful for. You know, certainty has been a big issue about in, in, in these times, try to find something that you can be confident about, something that you're sure about because so many things change personally and then in our culture around us. So there's three guys. There's three guys that I'm going to introduce you today. And, and uh, these... These are my guys, okay? These are my guys. You may have a couple guys, a couple gals. I don't know what you may have, but I have three guys. And you're going to see that these three guys actually have something in common. And there's something about these guys that speaks to the issue of certainty in our lives. But if you haven't seen these guys at their best, let's watch. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you are looking for a ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you, and I will kill you. Out the door. Break clear. Natalie, don't you worry. I'm going to get you out of here. This thing isn't going to hold. Continues to roll. We're down to 40 seconds left. 30 seconds left. 
Brady, pump, Brady, rifles to the corner. Oh, it's caught! Touchdown! Brandon Cooks! Incredible! Tom Brady delivers in the clutch. Those are my guys right there. Those are my guys. And maybe you hadn't seen that before, but those were the things those guys do. And um, if you ever got kidnapped, you don't want me coming for you. You know, I mean, if you're hanging off a cliff, you want me reaching down to pull you up? It ain't going to happen. I'm going to be like looking at you saying, hey, man, I'm really sorry. You know, going to have to let you go now. You know, because my hand would get tired or it's going to hurt my back or something like that. Or, or if, you know, uh, if you've got only 30 seconds left on the clock, you want a certain guy with the ball in his hands. I don't care what team he plays for. I don't like it that he left New England. I don't like it that he plays for the Buccaneers. But I tell this day, if he came back and said, listen, Paul, you got 30 seconds left. Do you want the ball in the end zone? I'd be like, Tommy. Here you go. Go win this one, Tommy. These are, the, these are the guys, the rock. I would have added one more guy up there. One more guy, Mark Wahlberg. But we only had three screens, so I could only fit those three in there. But these are the guys. These are the guys that when you're in a difficult situation, they say something like this to you. I got you. I got you. And you believe it. You really believe by the end of the movie, there's going to be nice, sweet music playing at the end. And everybody's going to be doing thumbs up because this person has got you. And when they move in your life, you know and you're confident that, hey, I got you. And you believe that about that person. So it may be fun in fiction and in sport, but it is true in the life of Jesus that God wants us to have certainty going forward that regardless of the situation, that he has us. He has us. And out of all the certainty that we've talked about for the last 10 weeks, what Jesus has been doing in the Gospel of Luke is, is showing us, by even with his own life, demonstrating his ability and his commitment to keep us. I got you in any situation. He's not just doing cool stuff. He's not just turning water into wine just because, hey, I can do this. You want to see a trick? Hey, another trick. And you know, he's not just feeding the 5,000. He's not just doing these things because he's doing these things. And he doesn't seem, when we look at the whole gospel, it doesn't seem like he's doing these things. Like the, the world has run out of wine at times. It's not like he's fixing the wine problem, or it's not like he's fixing the bread problem in the world because there are times when we've run out of bread. What he's doing is he's demonstrating in these situations that the audience that was there with him, he could communicate to them, I got you. And he did it in all the craziest of situations. I'm going to read to you a couple of them. They're not movie clips, but they are history clips of when Jesus did something that was totally unexpected to show us his capabilities. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. When Jesus says, hey, guys, I got it. I got the crowds. You guys go in this little boat, this itty-bitty boat, and why don't you guys go across? I'd be like, no, Jesus, I can stay. I can help you clean up and put the tables away. 
He's like, no, no, I got it. I, just go out in the boat, that boat right there, that lake, I want you to, I want you to begin paddling out. I, you know, he's setting them up. He is literally setting them up for this moment. And after he sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain to buy himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Now, I I do think it's interesting that they surmised that it was a ghost. You know why I, I, and I thought about like, of all the things that you, it's not like, hey, there's somebody walking on the water. It's like, no, they were shocked that it was a ghost. And it's like, it's a ghost. And I think it's because they felt that to have power over the universe, the world that you and I live in, what most of us as rationalists would call the real world, that this must be something totally different, something otherly, something ghostly. And what they're going to find out is Jesus is very much flesh and blood at this particular moment, and is going to make an impact in their lives in the midst of flesh and blood. So God wants to immediately convey to us that heaven can move in the realm of the flesh and the blood, in the realm of the wind and the sea. And so Jesus is demonstrating that to them. So they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, hey, hey, hey. I'm sorry, he probably didn't say it like that, but, but, but take courage, it's, it's I. Uh, very good English there. It is I, do not be afraid. And Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. Huh, that's interesting, another non-ghost walking on water. But seeing the wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said, you of little doubt, of little faith, why do you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind stopped, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, you are certainly God's son. I love it. He, he, Jesus... In the middle of all this, after doing all these miracles and all, these guys need to see this because he wants to be able to say to them in this unexpected moment, you know, I got you, right? I got you. And he reaches out his hand to Peter and he says, hey, man, I got you. This is is not just some simple little catchphrase. This is... All that the gospel is trying to communicate to those who put our hope in God, that heaven says back to us, I got you in your real world, in your flesh and blood world, in your world with the seas and the winds and the terror that you experience. He's saying, I got you. See, they needed to see that kind of power over the wind and the waves and the sea. Now, I'm going to tell you this. Um, this is not the last time that they would see wind and waves. It's, it's not the last time we would see wind and waves. I've been offshore, off of, uh, past the jetties. If you do a little fishing, you go out there, 
uh, and I think there's uh, Bowie Charlie or something like that between there. Been out there in a boat way too small. 21 foot sounds really big in your driveway, and it may not fit in your garage. But I'll tell you what, three miles past the jetties, it's way too small, especially in the middle of summer where there's a storm, which they all come from the west, and they begin to go right down Charleston Harbor, and there you are in the middle of it, and lightning and wind and all that. So, so a lot of us want a Christianity where God, in this story, is showing us if, the, if we are Christian, we will not have wind or waves. I tell you what, I was Christian and we had wind and we had waves because that's not what Jesus is saying here in this story, that there won't be any wind or waves in your life. That's the one we want to buy into. That's the one we want, but that's not the one he was offering. So what is the heart of this story? I got you. I got all kinds of power. I've got all kinds of authority. And you need to know that in any situation, I got you. So another story happens. Now, as he approached the gate of the city, a, man, a dead man was being carried out. The only son of his mother... And she was a widow, and a sizable crowd from the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her, and he said to her, do not weep. And he came up and touched the coffin, and the bearers came to a halt. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. Would you like to just if they had written down what he said. I mean, what is the first thing you say when you come back from the dead, you know? <laughs> that was a heck of a thing. You know, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know what it is. I don't know where he was, what he experienced, but all of a sudden he wakes up and then he says to, his, to the, it says, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Fear gripped them all and they began glorifying God saying, a great prophet has arisen among us. And God has visited his people, or as we're going to see over the next couple of weeks, Emmanuel, God is with us. See, they needed to know there wasn't just wind and waves, that it was death also. That even though it will come for all of us, that even in the midst of death, experiences that we will all experience in our lives, no matter when, whether it's the untimely one of a loved one or a friend, or whether it's our own death, that Jesus, it wasn't that Jesus was stopping from people from dying. It wasn't that God was stopping young people from dying. It wasn't that he was stopping, I mean, you could just narrow down on this. It's like, no, no, this is not about stopping people from dying. Would I love a Christianity like that? Oh, yes, I would. But apparently, Jesus believes something's greater than a Christianity where people don't die. And what is that? I got you. Apparently, I got you is so important, so big to the human life, that even in the face of death, Jesus wants everybody to know, I got you. Because he didn't stop death from this point on. Or he didn't stop death just for Christians. And some people will go into some hyper-faith thing like, oh, no, if you just believe, if you just, you know, if it, that we'll never get sick, we'll never die, we'll never, die. you're supposed to be wealthy, you're supposed to, it's like, yeah, good luck with that. I can't tell you how many godly, amazing, believing people I've, 
I've buried who are way too young. It's like, so what is the message that Jesus is trying to get across walking on the ocean? Is he stopping the tides? No. Is he stopping death and pain? No. It happens. But he's using this story to tell each and every one of us, no matter what situation we're in, no matter what the outcome is, I got you. Can I just stop for a second here? And if you've lost somebody, it's time for you to start believing. I got him. I've got her. I've got him. And you need to realize that is the great story of Christianity, is that he's got us. It continues. Another story happens. Early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people were coming to him, and he sat down and began to teach them. Then there was a commotion. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, having set her in the center of the court. They said, teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery, in the very act of adultery. Okay? This is what humanity did before there was Twitter. See, when there's Twitter, you say something stupid in a grocery store, somebody's popping out their iPhone or their Android, and they're catching it, and you're getting labeled as a Karen, and everybody on the Internet is discovering that you lost your butt in the middle of Walmart. Who hasn't lost their butt in the middle of Walmart? Who hasn't lost it at some time in their life? Well, these guys didn't have Twitter, so they're like, we need to drag this woman. In the, we caught her in the very act, and we need to make sure everybody knows what happened here, and let's see what Jesus does. You got this, Jesus? You got this? Now, in the law of Moses, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What do you say? They were saying this, testing him, not looking for justice, so that they might have a grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. But when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And when they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones, And he was left alone, and the woman, where she was, in the center of the court. And straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, No one, Lord. Then Jesus said, I got you. I do not condemn you either. Go, from now on, sin no more. See, in the moment of injustice, and I know as Americans, we're looking for justice. You know, we're trying to look justice in the past, justice in the future. You know, it's, we want everything to be done right, and we, we, but we all suffer injustice at some time in our lives. But in the moments of injustice, she discovered Jesus, and Jesus said, hey, I know what's going wrong. I know there's supposed to be a man standing next to you, I know this looks very misogynist, chauvinist at least, hypocritical at at its core, but I want to let you know, they don't got you, I got you. In your worst mistake, I've got you. See, this isn't I got you on your best day, 
I got you when you're giving your tide check to Crosstown. I've got you when you're having your day robust with faith. This is like when you are caught in your worst, Jesus says, I got you. We need to know this with certainty. In moments of guilt and shame, she needed to hear, I got you. Because I think that some of us here are sitting in shame and in guilt in the midst of our failures, and Jesus wants you to know, hey, I got you. I got you. See, that's better than a perfect life. That's better than being rich. That's better than being a superstar. That's, that's, it's like he's got us, even on our worst days. And this one's my absolute favorite. And I'm going to say some things that are going to probably blow you away, but please just consider it. Luke chapter 23, Luke tells a story nobody else tells. One of the criminals, there was two hanging on the left and right of Jesus. One of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at Jesus, saying, are you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuking him said, do you not even fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? We indeed are suffering justly for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus, lifting his head if he could, said, truly, I say to you today, you shall be with me in paradise. You see, even in the face of the worst of our challenges. And I would say that was probably death. Not only in the face of our worst challenges, Jesus wants to demonstrate how dependable he is. Is he's having his worst day ever. I mean, this is the moment when the sins of the world, all the evil of the world is laid upon him. Have you ever had a bad day, even as a Christian, and then you're like, Somebody needs something from you. You'd be like, hey, man, give me a break here. I'm in a tailspin. I got my own problems to worry about. And here's Jesus demonstrating such capability that in his worst day, in the middle of his mission, where evil is touting a victory, that he, he, he turns to this man and he says to this man, even though we are dying today, I got you. Now, I added the editorial, even though we are dying today. But it's implied. See, he says to the man, today you shall be with me in paradise. What is he telling the man? You're dying. I'm not getting you out of this. Okay? We're not coming off of this cross. But I want you to know, I got you. See, I want a Christianity that gets me off the cross. I want a Christianity where none of us die, none of us get cancer, none of us get sick, none of our bones get arthritic and painful. And Jesus says, listen, you and me today, we're going to paradise. 
Now, we pray for healing because we are told by God to pray for healing. Because sometimes God chooses to stop the wind and the waves. Sometimes God chooses to raise the dead. Sometimes God stops the cancer. But I would be willing to say, not because he's fixing the earth, is because he wants to demonstrate to somebody around or in the situation, I needed to remind you, I got you. But I think it's so profound that he's implying to this man that even though we're dying today, I got you. There is no greater promise that can be given to you on this earth than that. Oh, I have fought against, I hate the idea of dying. If you ever listen to our podcasts or our little videos online, go to Crosstown Church, we have a channel. And I did a little video for about five minutes about my preoccupation with my death and how, God, how afraid of dying I have been my whole life. I've done so much to try to avoid dying. I've exercised all my life. I'm here to tell you, it doesn't work, okay? And I don't tell your doctor I said that, but it doesn't work. It just wears out your joints, you know? I mean, I'm like, I'm like miserable, you know? Probably got a good heart, I don't know. And so we do everything to try to avoid it. My wife and I have got a hobby together. Um, it's kind of a weird hobby, but, and I never thought I'd get into this one, but it's, it's face cream. Um, she's, uh, she's always, as long as I've known her, had this little magic vial of something from Lancome. I don't even know what a Lancome is, but it's from Lancome. And it's like, this is this, it's like this big. It costs $1,200. I'm only kidding. But it feels like it costs $1,200. It's about that big. And, it, and, and you don't just kind of like, like Old Spice where you bam, 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 bam. No, this has got a little uh, dropper. And she's like, so she'll be like, okay, because I've been complaining about how old I look, my skin, and, you know, just like pasty. And, and she said, she, so she breaks a little thing. She's like, okay, I'm going to put a little drop. And it's like a penny size. She goes, now, don't waste it. So, so I'm like, okay. Um, so she goes, just rub it together and just like rub it on your face. Just rub it on your face. And I'm like, this will help? She goes, oh, yeah. I'm like, Peter, when Jesus washed his feet, I'm like, well, let's wash everything. I mean, if this, if this thing will do everything. So I'm just rubbing it all over my face. And she goes, now we've got to wait 30 seconds. So there's me and my wife standing in front of the mirror like this. Why? Because I'm afraid of death, you know, and I'm just kind of like doing this. And then there's another jar. I didn't realize how much I was spending on this stuff or we were spending on this. And so it uh, opens up and now this is, this is for the day. And then there's another jar for the night. Um, so, guys, let me just tell you, if anybody's selling you a bottle where it's shampoo, body wash, and creamer at the same time, you're being lied to. They just think you're stupid, okay? Uh, but it's so I'm rubbing this thing all over my face and all that stuff. So today, folks, I've done it. How, how am I looking? How am I looking? Do I look revitalized? Right. Oh, yeah. You're all a bunch of liars. It's like... It's like, don't tell them, don't tell emperor's new clothes. You know, um, what, what is the point is that we're dying. Um, and if you're here and you're over 60, you've probably been shocked by what it's like to get old. You probably are shocked that you can't do what you used to do. And if you're here 
and you start having those challenges, you probably have experienced the depression that comes with growing old. My dad said it every day until he died, that it takes courage to grow old. But I'll tell you what, it takes more than courage. It takes knowing that Jesus got you. That changes everything. It's like, yeah, but I can't do this anymore. Yeah, okay, well, Jesus didn't promise you a Christianity where you can, you can run 10Ks when you're in your 70s. You know, he didn't promise you that, you know, your 401K, how let's talk about that, would lose, wouldn't lose three quarters of its value in two years. Like, yeah, but I thought this. And it's like, no, 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 the message of Christianity is this. It's the greatest promise of heaven. I got you. Oh, by the way, I'm not going to get you off that cross today. And so you got to figure out whether or not, what, do you, what did you want from this gospel? Did you want health, wealth, influence, long age? Uh, did you want a perfect government? Did you want the Garden of Eden to be restored? Well, I can tell you to some degree, some of that can happen. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I have, to a degree, have experienced heaven on this side of it. In flesh and blood, I have experienced some of that. You don't have to be a ghost to experience the goodness and the greatness of God. But you're not coming down off the cross. Life will be challenging. You're still married to the person you wish you hadn't chosen. You're still going back to the life, the job that if you could do it over again, maybe you would have done something else with your life. And you say, wow, this is really depressing heading into Thanksgiving. <laughs> no, because it's not, because some of you are going home today with cancer. Some of you are going home and your spouse is no longer alive. Some of you are going home and you've lost half your income. Some of you are going home and you might be, according to society, the wrong color or the wrong gender or the wrong party. How do you live when your back doesn't get better? How do you live when you can't do what you didn't, couldn't do? How do you live when you could never do what other people could do? How do you live when you deal with addiction every single day and depression? What is it? It's hearing God say into your heart, I got you. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, nobody's got you. The other thief on the cross, guess what he did that day? He just died. He just died. They went up and broke his legs, and he died. Who had him? Nobody. I, I had to say, well, but doesn't God love us? Oh, yeah. To as many as receive him, he gives the power to become the children of God. If you want to get gotten, God's in the getting business. But if you want to be left alone, that's how it ends. This is the greatest message. This is the greatest certainty on this planet that God says, I got gotcha. you. 
Jesus is not a character from a movie. I don't know if The Rock is really a hero. And you know, Tom Brady may be good with a football, but lately I'm, not, I'm seeing he may not be good with everything. Just like me. But Jesus proved to be Lord and Savior and mercy and love and truth. And we need to wait in confidence for him to free us from our kidnapper. We need to strengthen our grip on, our, on his love when we fall. And we need to give him the ball when it seems like time is running out and we are facing the impossible. Jesus will finish what he started. And I know somebody else could give you 12 things Jesus is going to accomplish before you die. Um, I don't know about 12. I'm going to give you four. Four things that I am certain about, about Jesus, about that say, I got you. These are my four, because these are the four that matter to me. The first is this. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. That the only thing on this planet that is not going to give in to all the evil that is going on in this planet is the church of Jesus. So if you want to be in something that's going to last, I'm not betting on America. I love America, but I ain't betting on it. But I'm certain that he's going to build his church. It faced the Romans. It faced the Dark Ages. It's faced Islam. It's faced atheism. It's faced everything. And dadgummit, isn't the church still here? You know, so you got to decide you want to be a part of the certainty of Jesus' statement. You need to be a part of church because that's the only thing that Jesus says, I got. Here's the other thing that he speaks to me about. It's a little bit more personal. Paul said, and he's probably my age when he said this, for I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you and in me will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Is that God is doing something good in me. And that until the day I die, if I will let God get me, and if I'll be gotten by God, that something good will be done in me. I am not, this is not a hyperbole. I have been a Christian since, I don't know, like 19, uh, let's see. Got arrested, okay, brought up on court martial charges, then, okay, yeah, so um, uh, 1981, it was a good year, 1981, I have grown closer to God and in my knowledge of God and have grown to become a better person like Christ in the last three years than I have in the 30 prior years. Why? Because uh, he got me. He got me, and he began a good work in me. I'm telling you, folks, you, uh, I don't know why I'm looking at my watch, you need to be here in about 15 years. Why? 
because you're going to see the most friggin' awesome 78-year-old man you have ever seen in your life, okay? Why? Uh, I, I'm probably, my hip's probably gonna go, I don't know. I mean, I may hobble up here. There'll probably be a little bit more gray. It'll all still be there, okay? It'll all, it'll all be there. But it, it may be more gray, but I will tell you this, that as long as I let him get me, then this good word work will get done in my life. And he offers that to you also. Third thing that I know Guys, I am, I, I tell you this in pure humility. I am a stellar philosophical and theologian thinker. Seriously, I'm just, I'm just good at it. Some people throw footballs, some people kick field goals, some people drive cars, some people skydive. I just think rightly about stuff like this. None of it gives me as much confidence the origin of the universe, theories of, of the divine nature of God. Nothing gives me as much comfort and all that knowledge than Hebrews 13, 5, when God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. There is no greater knowledge than knowing that no matter how bad the seas are, no, no matter how high the cross, no matter how hurtful the death, no matter how terrible the mistake, that he says, I got you, and I'm not going anywhere. Whew. That is such a good thing. And then the fourth thing that I look at in Scripture more than anything else, John chapter 14, Jesus tells his disciples, okay, here's, here's what he doesn't tell them. Oh, they always showed you the verse. Dang it. But, but that's okay. That's okay. He doesn't tell them, hey, guys, you're never going to get sick. Hey, guys, you're going to live to a thousand years old. Hey, guys, this world's going to be awesome to you and amazing. You're going to love it. He says, hey, in my father's house, there are many dwellings. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come and again receive you to myself, that where I am, you're going to be there also. See, my biggest problem with Christianity, and it has been up until like God showed me in the last two years, is that I was in love with the world. I really, I'm a, an incredibly vain, I'm an Epicurean. I love pleasure. I'm just telling you. Um, not food so much, but everything else. And I wanted a Christianity that made me feel good, that made me pretty, that every experience. And in the last three years, I've dealt with depression and pain and hurt and loss. And it's like, wow, you know, I'm not the pastor of the biggest church. You know, I'm, I'm not, I haven't acquired a great amount of wealth or anything like that. 
And all of a sudden, the face cream's not working. But I'll tell you this. I've been told by God that I go to prepare a place for you. And then when I come and get you, guess where I'm taking you? Where I am, you're going to be. It's like, really? It's like, yeah. Instead of worrying about how many more years you have on this planet like you were, because I was counting how many turkeys and how many, how many uh, Christmas trees, and I was counting how many of the grandkids I would not see to get married because I would be too old, and all the experiences I would not see on the planet Earth, that I would not go to space with Jeff Bezos, that I would not see Mars landing, and, all, and I was making a list of all these things that I was not going to do. I'm not going to climb Denali. I'm not going to race in another mountain bike. And I was making a list of all the things. And Jesus says, oh, I'm sorry I disappointed you because I just want to let you know, I'm going to take you to a place where I am. How's that work? And finally, I have to be honest with you, getting got by Jesus is better than owning the world. Now, I'm not telling you I ain't going to be scared less <laughs> when my time comes. But you know what? It's not about death. It's about life. It's about, it's about failures. It's about waves and wind. It's about all these stories that we experience, what you're experiencing in your life. Do you have the confidence that God is saying to you, I got you? He crossed the lake in a storm, not to eliminate storms. He overcame injustice, but yet injustice still prevails. He withstood the test and the weight of evil, but yet evil is still here. He rose from the dead, but death still happens. He ascended to heaven and seats at the right hand of the majesty on high. And he did all of this to tell you, I have you. I have you. There is nothing greater that heaven can ever say to you than those words. So where are you with God? I, I will say that I know that some of you are incredibly disappointed with Christianity. And maybe your version of my version of Christianity that got preached to me, yeah, that really has worked out pretty disappointing. I thought it was just going to be a cascading shower of euphoria unto utopia. <laughs> I've really thought this through. It's not. It's better than that. It's the God of heaven who has us engraved in the palms of his hands, that we are the apple of his eye. And he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I have got you in your worst day, in your greatest sorrow, in the midst of your worst fear. I got you. So the question I have to ask for some of you, have you let yourself get gotten? Have you received Jesus as Lord and Savior in life? In a moment, we're going to be handing out what looks like a mere token in bread and in juice. I mean, it really does. It's kind of like a little cup. They're hard to open. You know? It looks like a token. But don't be deceived. It is God saying, I got you. It's the greatest thing that God could say to you. 
Let yourself be gotten today. At the same time, we'll have men and women, our eldership team will be over to the side and you can go and get prayer. Because God wants you, if you're in a storm, he wants you to ask. If you're sick, he wants you to reach out to him. And at times he does heal. We have seen it. I have experienced it. But just know this, the greatest message you can hear today is I have you. And as you come up and receive the cup and the bread, it's not a token, it's a promise. Father, thank you so much for your incredible love. And Lord God, for, for when the 401k doesn't work and the bones begin to hurt, or the person that we thought that we would just have an amazing life together, turns out to not have the ability to save my soul. When all the pleasure is out of the bottle and we can't get it back in, when the world looks like it's in chaos and the spot in the MRI doesn't go away, you stand in the middle of it and you say, I got you. Thank you so much that somebody does. Today, Lord God, take my life. Take it. Hold it in your hands. With all of my failures, mistakes, with all my problems, God, take it. And I want you to help me in the middle of all this difficult times. And I'd like you to fix some of it. But whether you fix it or not, I need to hear you got me. So today, I receive Jesus into my life. Give me your Holy Spirit who will remind me every day, I got you.